Today we are looking at a case study of someone who was 100% committed to buying their first home, but actually worked out they shouldn't, believe it or not. This is vital listening to everybody who is contemplating home ownership and could help you avoid throwing money down the drain. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode, and if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property, and our where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. your first home buyer guide our goal is to get you to the summit to buy your first home without missing a step but sometimes part of the journey is finding out that you actually shouldn't be buying a property now as veronica mentioned earlier today we are going to look at a case study of someone who was a hundred percent committed to buying their first home but actually worked out that she shouldn't and you know before we get into this story i guess i'd probably add there that She definitely shouldn't have when she was looking, but maybe in the future, it's still something she should do. So this isn't a shouldn't ever, it's a shouldn't now. And that's really what this uh, episode is all about, is about looking for signs that you're not ready to buy. (laughs) Because this is a bit of a cracker of a story and we hope that it will help some of you make the biggest decision, which is really to buy or not to buy. And that is the question. That is the question indeed. (laughs) Many property experts will jump straight in, take your money, but very few will make you stop and contemplate whether you're actually doing the right thing or if you should take an entirely different pathway. And when Mary was looking for her first property, she was unsure about whether to buy an investment property or a home to live in. So she was, like we said, 100% committed to buying a property. She was going to buy, but she (laughs) thought, which way am I going to go to go now in her email to us mary said that saving for the deposit and buying a property that i can afford was my initial simple plan and that's often the case right that's often what first home buyers do they go well how much can i afford right i'm going to get out there and i'm going to start looking for it i'm going to find it Um, but what they've missed is a whole raft of earlier steps that are absolutely vital to getting on the right track for the whole journey now Mary did the um, the very first, remember our very first workshop that we ran, which was the yes. Where to Buy workshop. So she did that very, very first workshop. And during that event, she said the light bulb went on. 
she did that workshop the very first live workshop. Yeah. So fond memories here. We're actually quite proud. Still finding of, our feet of... there. We've got a number of students <laughs> that have bought, a number <laughs> who haven't, a number that are still looking. <laughs> I know, I know. And I think too that, you know, it, the funny thing that, yes, saving the deposit, that was sort of like seen as the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And obviously we're not trying to minimise that. It is extraordinarily hard to save a deposit. Mm. But I think the other thing too is that she'd saved just enough to buy something and that's that's a bit mm. of a danger isn't it that and we'll get to that i guess one of the reasons you know one of the, one of the signs but saving just enough to suddenly be able to afford something anything that's sort of what got her out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now she realized that she had actually thrown herself headlong into the middle of a process <laughs> and needed to go back to square one and you know one of the things she said was the fact that i might need to go back to my country because she's not originally from australia mm. at some point directed her to the rent vesting strategy hmm. very we- much an option very much an option. You know, Absolutely. If you think but- you're not going to live in it long term, some people think, well, I might just get an investment property. So I, I don't discount her thinking there, but there were some other steps that she'd missed along the way. Well, that's exactly right, because we were actually not entirely sure that the new approach was the right one for her. But without knowing her full situation, we couldn't give her any advice, but we certainly could point her in the right direction. And so we did suggest that she go right back to step one in the PACE system, which is the part of the preparation phase, the P of PACE. So we sent her off to a financial advisor who is also a mortgage specialist. Yeah. Now, what she said to us, and this is really, this is valuable feedback from the person who was making these decisions. She said she contacted Stuart Weems, who's who we've actually had on the show. I can't remember which episode it was. It was a recent one, Veronica, 28. Very recent. I think 28. 29, somewhere around there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> now he, he is owner of Invest. Opoly, um, financial advisory and Mary said he replied to me promptly confirming the above he did not charge me anything he could easily have done a, done a counseling session but um, she was grateful for the referral because what he said to her was this is not the right strategy for you at this point in your life and with the money that you have to buy an a great investment property so Actually going back to step one, which is the build your support crew, find the people who are going to give you independent advice. That was the clinching moment. That was the light bulb moment. Um, so after going back to the start, rather than trying to start in the middle, she saved herself a huge amount of time and wasted effort. And actually it, at the end, she saved herself a $400,000 mistake because had she gone ahead with a purchase of an investment grade property in Melbourne or what she considered an investment grade property in Melbourne for $400,000, we all know that you can't buy an investment grade property in Melbourne for $400,000. She was looking at a one-bedroom apartment in, you know, a B or C grade apartment complex and location. So, so just that advice on its own, all of those steps along the way to get to the point of saying, no, this isn't actually right for me. She's, she's now going down the path of, of learning about share investing and and, and a number of other things. And she hopes that she can get back into the property market by building up a better deposit. Um, But she certainly said to us, you know, she's really grateful that we're honest and, and maybe pulled her up and said, you know, this may not be the right pathway for you. It's so 
hard too because when you have saved enough mm. to get a deposit, you just think that's it. I've got, I've cleared that hurdle. I'm ready to get on the first rung. You don't want that first rung to be too low down. Um, you know, well, as like, we talked about, if you can go backwards, you can lose money mm. in property. You, you actually, if you buy the wrong asset, you can actually go backwards and find yourself having to top up um, if you've got negative equity. Now, that's a hard slog if you've just saved a deposit to buy and a couple of years later the bank says, oh, sorry, but the value of this property has now gone backwards and you need to top up. Now, a lot of people don't know that that can happen. It's, no. it's, it's quite a frightening reality and, and one that you should be very aware of. Absolutely. So the the really important thing with Mary too is that she, like, you know, she said she sort of realised that she came into the middle of the process and that's the thing that we really bang on a lot about mm. with, with the pay system. You've got to do everything in the right order. Mm. You really do because if you get it all asked about, you're going to make a massive mistake or you're going to get caught unprepared when you need to be prepared and that's going to cost you or either cost you the property or it'll cost you in money because you have to pay more money or you'll make mistakes or you'll pay more than you need to or whatever. So she realised very quickly um, that she had jumped in um, at the wrong spot and it's really normal. Where, where she jumped in was so absolutely many, normal. Absolutely. And, and we have many other students who actually go, oh, okay, right, I've got to go back to square one. So what we have to be careful, though, we don't want to encourage everyone just to contact Stuart and say, can I have some free advice? No, because <laughs> <laughs> because you'll be like, like oh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, girls, thanks for that. Um, you know, and go back and listen to that episode of mm. we should have actually written that in our script, the actual episode number, but it's not Find that far right ago. <laughs> so we've got a we've got a few episodes actually of the podcast that talk about borrowing strategy and and certainly the importance of actually getting good advice early on and the difference with someone like Stuart Weems or even when our episode on on borrowing strategy with David Johnson mm-hmm. um, you're talking to experts who understand where finance fits into the big picture they also understand enough about property to get the risks that there are huge risks buying property. And they also talk about things like borrowing strategy and getting the structure right and, you know, in investment um, investment fundamentals. And there's a whole bunch of things that a good broker will talk about with you to help you understand the bigger picture rather than just talking about interest rates. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because think- interest rates is a very small part of the overall picture. Um, and, and they're the things that can change. The, the other parts of it, the lead up to it, how your loan's structured, what sort of offset or redraw or, or which part's fixed and what part's variable, that bigger picture can cost you an awful lot more than half a percentage point in interest rate difference. And so just like earlier on, we said that, you know, a lot of property professionals will take your money once you're ready to buy something or once you can afford to buy something, because let's face it, it's a lot, you know, there's sales agents out there, there's spruikers out there, there's lots of people out there that are in the game and they get paid if you buy something, all right? Mm-hmm. And likewise with brokers, they get paid if you buy something. You know, most people in property or in broking that they're not that focused on what you buy because you're just a transaction and then they move on to the next person Mm. right Mm. so that's why it's really important to get the right advisors on board to get this sort of advice slow down whoa you know like (laughs) it's not i know prices are rising up that's it you know i know the market's going gangbusters however um 
you know, it's uh, there are worse things than not buying. And mm. that's really what this episode's about. There are worse things than not buying. So we want to make sure that we can talk about some of the things that the reasons or you know, the signs that you should not be buying. That you shouldn't be buying, yeah. And if if you find yourself trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, then it's probably time to get some independent education about where you should be considering buying, whether you should be considering buying now or if you should de- delay the decision or if you should not enter the property market at all. And that's that's an okay decision to make. It's not anyone else's decision to make. It's actually yours about your independent, you know, your personal situation. So in this story, Mary knew she was going to return to her homeland in the near future. Um, so she was working here in Australia. But um, Veronica, let's talk about some of the other reasons that people should not buy property because we talk about why you should a lot. Let's talk yeah. about why you should not. Yes, why well, you should hold your horses. Whoa. Now, obviously, Mary had on the horizon a very good chance that her circumstances were going to change, right? So when there is a very good chance that your circumstances will change in the near future, then that is a good reason to hold off from buying. And I'm talking about circumstances that will change typically the type of property that you need, mm. right? So having a baby, there is no point buying a one bedroom in a study, for instance, if you're thinking in two years' time you want to have a baby. There's no point even maybe not even buying a two-bedroom. Sometimes some two-bedders and depending on where you're buying and whether you've done the stepping stone strategy workshop too, that's actually usually <laughs> um, useful. But, you know, but if you're, you're about to have a baby or you really are thinking that's in your near future and you can't afford a property that, that is going to be large enough for a young family, then you really do have to think about is that the right thing to do. If you are single now and you know, you don't want to be single forever. You might. It's a bit. That's a choice. It's a bit tricky, I have to say. But if you if you really do want to couple up, and all you can afford now is a one bedroom apartment, then you know maybe just hold fire because you you know when you I mean don't and this is the thing I guess you know you get women who in their 30s, I've been there, and you're starting to think, Jesus, I'm going to get left behind and I'm never going to have a baby and all that sort of stuff. If that's driving you nuts. Now, if it's not driving you nuts, then absolutely that's totally fine as well. But it's a bit like you don't want to be running around trying to find a father for your unborn baby. You don't want to be running around <laughs> trying to find a co-owner of your, un- your unpurchased property. <laughs> I think one's easier to sell than the other. I'm, I'm not going to direct it's it probably, in either, either direction on that one because both can be very expensive to sell. <laughs> they can. They give you real traps. So you definitely don't be wanting to cost you a couple lot. up with someone purely to buy a property is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> now, ironically, a lot of people who are about to have a baby find that the most important time to find a new home. They're looking for a new nest and, and, and baby brain is real. It exists. I've had it a few times you've you've had it and you, you're not always in the best uh decision making frame of mind so if you are getting close to having a baby you can often feel like the pressure of the time limit that's coming to you um or, or being enforced upon you by the impending arrival of said child that may force <laughs> you to make a decision that isn't the best in the long term so be really really careful about anything if you're in a situation where you, you, you know, there's a deadline pending. Um, 
Don't make the decision to buy based on the deadline that's given to you. Make sure you go back to step one and go through all the decision-making process mm. that you, you need to make with a clear head and remove the deadline from the equation and see if it is still the right thing to do to buy a property. There's a couple of things that I have observed people doing here, in, in particularly on this topic, right? One is when we go to an auction and we see a heavily pregnant woman and typically a guy, although they could be a, a you know, same-sex couple, but typically there's a huge amount of pressure and I think to myself, oh, bugger. <laughs> they are <laughs> driven just, by They're just more going to buy this no matter what. They're going to pay what they have to. <laughs> yeah, they have way more FOMO than most people because they've got this really, really de definite deadline. <laughs> but the other thing too is that they um, – Another thing that I find a lot of couples, you know, early on in a pregnancy, I've, I've heard this quite a lot. It's like we have to buy now because we have to buy before the bank knows we're pregnant because yeah, we because won't be able to borrow income. as much money mm. when I'm on maternity leave. And mm. it's like, whoa, that's another massive warning sign. It's mm. like that's fine if you find the right property, right? But it will lead you to make all sorts of compromises and panic decisions. So that that's a sign. You might think you're more than ready to buy, but it could be a sign you're really not ready to buy. I guess the other side of that, Veronica, is too, you have to be very realistic about how affordable it is to, to go down to one income if that's the case, if, if there is an impending pregnancy and child arrival and someone's going to take, there might be some paid paternity and maternity leave, but there might not be. Um, it might be that you want to stay home for a lot longer period than just the paid period period. So there's a lot of decisions that isn't that aren't just about having a good nest to bring the baby home to. It's actually how much financial pressure you're going to put on yourself if you find that you actually want to stay home for two years rather than the six months that you you had anticipated. Um, does that put you in a situation where you can't do the parenting the way that you want to do it um, and forces you into going back to work earlier than you had anticipated? So you've got to be really realistic about that kind of scenario where, where there is a deadline that or, or a change in your income circumstances because of a pregnancy. So true. Um, a sort of not the same type of change of circumstance, but something that I've been speaking to or, or read online, a couple of, you know, a number of people this is, seems to be the case for, they're living in a place now where they're working now and they're thinking about buying in that area because that's where they're working and living now, but they don't have a desire or real sort of impetus to stay there long-term. So it might be a country town or, or a city, a regional mm. centre or a city that you're there for work, but you don't see yourself being a long-term resident there. Now, you've got to be very, very careful uh, buying in an area like that. You know, you've really got to get to understand the demographics and the actual drivers so of the marketplace mm. because you don't want to be stuck with a property you can't sell. Yep. at some point and at the moment like you know and you've got to also realize and and you know markets are cycles and whilst everywhere in australia seems to be going up at the moment it's not always going to be the case mm. so you definitely don't want to be buying in an area where it's great now it's lucrative for you now and you don't like renting because or it may be difficult to rent let's face it that's that's another bit of a problem at the moment but that's not a good reason to buy 
because it's hard to rent. I think uh, there's a lot of examples of that in regional, particularly mining towns in in the last um, 15 years or so. There were a number of people who who purchased properties in in mining towns when they were a little bit cheaper, but then there started to be a bit of a run on prices and and people were paying extraordinary amounts of money for for, um, uh, what was of little value realistically in the marketplace. And and those markets crashed significantly when um, policies of mining organisations changed. So when they moved from um, rehousing people to regional locations to a lot more FIFO, that had a, a really big impact on the amount of people who needed housing in those areas and therefore the demand. So you've got to be really, really careful if you are in a small regional area, um, as you say, to, to, to look at the fund, the investment fundamentals of those areas and are the prices sustainable and will they actually give you some sort of capital growth. But also in, in major capital cities as well, if you're, or mm. if you're employed by an organisation that is possibly going to move you around, and I remember when I worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers, you know, I started in Brisbane, ended up in Melbourne, there were people who were flying, you know, flown over to London for five, six years. So if you're in an organisation that does actually want you to move around a lot, then it may not be a good idea for you to buy a property, um, particularly if tax, the the impact of tax on you as a, a, a non taxpaying resident could mean that an investment property is not a good idea for you. It could mean that it is a good idea, but it could mean it's not. So these are all lots of questions to ask good financial advisors and accountants in the lead up to making a decision as to whether you should buy or not. Absolutely. And sort of talking about the sort of segues a little bit into rent vesting because mm. sometimes it might be a decision that it actually is a smart decision to buy an investment rather than buying a property to live mm. in yourself. So these are these are conversations and discussions that can or, or I guess options that should be considered with um, good advice, as you're mentioning there. Um, but rent vesting instead of waiting a bit longer and actually buying a home you can live in, that can actually be a trap too because, you know, that's about sort of wanting to buy now because I can and price arising and feeling that sort of FOMO and you think, okay, but my income, you know, I'm on a job which has got good prospects and, you know, maybe maybe I've got little children, I'm going to go back to work. You know, if, if you can see that your income is going to rise in the next few years rather than rent vesting now, if there's a good case to say, well, you know what, I will be able to save more, I will be able to borrow more because also your borrowing capacity is a function of your income, mm-hmm. not always what how much you've saved as your deposit, not as much. Um, you know, if, if I'm going to be in a position, a better position to be able to buy a bigger, better property that's going to serve us better, serve us longer, and we're going to live in it longer, then by rent vesting now, you're going to sort of cut that off at the past and you're going to mm. limit your opportunities to buy your own home when you're ready to. So these are all things to be really thought through now rather than sort of jumping in and then going, oh, that stops me from actually buying a home. Mm, eyes it hasn't wide done open. its job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if you've got a short time frame for that property to do a job, which is actually increase in value or ha- have a capital growth component to it, um, because you don't want to just be paying something down to get equity in a property. You actually want the capital growth. The property has to, to grow in value for it to actually be doing a job. Otherwise, you might as well just be putting the money in the bank. Um, and, and that's not that's not worth the pain and effort of actually owning a property and the costs of entering and exiting a property. Um, and the risk. And the risk, yeah. Another another thing that we talk about quite a bit, Veronica, is 
a reason not to buy is if you actually don't have enough to buy an A-grade property in the loca- location that you want to buy in. Um, now, you might be a little bit flexible on location and might be able to sort of move those that 3P mix around a little bit in terms of property and position. Um, for those of you who've done the Where to Buy workshop, you'll know what I'm talking about there. But if you don't have enough to buy an A-grade property in the location that you are quite set on and you're not prepared to compromise on location, then you you really need to think very hard about whether you should be buying at all because one of the things that we get asked a lot is well if i if i buy in a prestige or a better quality suburb isn't it a fair enough compromise to buy on a main road or in a property that floods or backing onto the train line or right next to the school? Um, and, and there are very, very few, like there's an exception to every rule, but there are very, very, very few cases where you could say that location on it, on its own will trump property in terms of what yeah, getting the balance right and what the right mm. compromises are. Whilst location does a lot of the heavy heavy lifting, and I think we talk about the 80-20 rule, um, it will do, location will do a lot of the heavy lifting, but sub, suburb in and of itself is not location. Street, side of the street, you know, all of those things come into location as well. So main road, adjoining commercial, schools, flood, um, train lines, these are all compromised sort of positions that make an A-grade suburb not an A-grade property or position within a suburb. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, Mia did use the word prestige there. It doesn't actually have to be prestige. You know, there are, I'm I'm, only because I know people go, oh, A-grade, I can't afford that. That's like a mansion in Turak. It's like, no, no, we're not talking about that. A-grade is in all price points. Yeah, yeah, mm. and there's loads of suburbs in in all sorts of cities, and then then you've got to think about scarcity, and then we bang on about scarcity all the time and oversupply, and so there are suburbs where um, really I wouldn't buy anything in the suburb, you know, basically where there's yes. a new subdivision where all the houses are exactly the same, you know, <laughs> don't go there, don't buy in a big high rise apartment block where all the pro- all the properties are exactly the same, you know, so there's a few more complexes to be built. There are, and a few more suburbs to be subdivided. So you got to be so A grade comes down to you know avoiding those sorts of um, situations as well. And so that's, I think, sort of the reason I guess that that first home buyers get a bit panicky. It's not just first home buyers that get panicky, by the way, but when the market is rising, everybody gets FOMO, and <laughs> you know. <laughs> We've seen the run on toilet paper in the in the supermarkets. Where Why does that keep happening? Lockdown. I don't get it. I don't get the toilet paper story. I still don't to, understand it. There has been some research on this, and it does really line up with my help. theory. My my theory is that we all live with a low level anxiety. The minute something happens, like a looming lockdown, everyone's anxiety just goes ding, and off they go, basically chasing each other like sheep. <laughs> So the I find it hilarious person. because the first the first two lockdowns in in Brisbane, I was straight to the shops, got my supplies. Actually, did need toilet paper the second time. I didn't need it the first time, um, <laughs> but the third time. I waited until the day after lockdown started to go and do my shopping. The, everything was it was completely restocked. There was hardly anyone there. It was nice and quiet. I toddled I along it. with my trolley, got what I needed. And I, I know talking to people that the day that went the day before, they missed out on a lot of things because the shelves were empty. It's nuts. That's a good metaphor for the property market. <laughs> <laughs> shelves are empty if you're 
go too fast. I don't know. Don't go shopping when the shelves are empty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, we could actually stretch this really quite badly and I think we'll tie ourselves in knots. But the toilet paper thing, right, (laughs) i got this theory, right? i got a theory that there was this couple with eight children, okay, and they had run out of toilet paper because the last kid used the toilet last roll and didn't tell everybody else. And you know that thing. And I'm like, who used the last piece of toilet paper? And so it just happened to coincide with the beginning of lockdown. And they went, oh, bugger it. We've got to go and get toilet paper for 10 people. So they went to their small supermarket and they literally bought it out because 10 people's worth of toilet paper for a month is a lot of toilet paper. That is a and lot then of the next paper. person come out what's this why they just heard the 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 news report about lockdown they saw the trolley full of toilet paper and they went oh my god that's right i'll run out of toilet paper and they (laughs) took what was left that's my theory and then the new somebody took a photo of it stuck it on facebook it went viral viral didn't it that's my theory that's how it happened okay i reckon that sounds pretty good (laughs) i love it let's let's send that far off. Let's go back to talking about property. So FOMO is a dangerous thing because FOMO leads people, normally sane people, to take out the, to take each other's out with shopping trolleys. And it doesn't lead people to make sane decisions. And certainly when it comes to property, what I'm seeing and what I'm sure you're seeing as well is that people are so caught up in the moment and the fear of missing out that they're not actually making sane decisions, not making calm decisions. And then after they're bought and they've got a moment like, ah, they breathe out for a minute, then they look back and think, oh, hang on, why did I feel like that was the only property on the market? Mm, Or that I had to pay that much in the heat Mm. of the moment of the auction. Or did I buy that yeah, this is this is a very introspective sort of question to ask yourself is, you know, did I buy because other people sh- told me I should? And that that is a really big risk and a really good reason to stop and have a think. Is it because someone has told you that you should get on the property ladder, that you should be investing in something? Is it because somebody who bought recently wants other people to do the same thing as they did because that gives them social proof that they did the right thing and made the right decision? Um, so certainly we would we would be advocating that if other people are telling you to do something that you haven't really explored yourself as to whether it's the right thing for you, then that's a really good reason to stop. I I use this with my clients a lot. I talk about, you know, buying a property is a big deal, right, obviously. Mm. (laughs) It's a big deal and it is normal to feel a level of fear around it because, you know, you take a lot of debt, you've only got, it's like choosing a wife or a husband, you know, like it's one choice if you do it right, hopefully. Um, You can only have one at a time anyway. (laughs) Anyway, I can go down that rabbit war and I won't. Um, Don't. (laughs) <laughs> but, but it is, it's a little bit like getting married. It's like you're foregoing all others, you know, so mm-hmm. for a period of time at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so therefore it's normal to feel a level of fear. You're taking on a big debt, taking on a big responsibility. Is it the right thing to do? All that sort of stuff. But Will there's I a like living be- there? Will I like the suburb? Will I like the people that are there? Will my children get on with the other children? There's a massive amount of decisions to be made within that one one little decision, which is there are, and it's normal to feel a level of you know, sort of healthy fear about that. Mm. And I think mm. it's a good thing to feel a healthy fear when you're having a niggle, though. We just de- we determine or distinguish between a fear and a niggle. The niggle is it's not right, 
I'm pushing, I'm making this happen, I'm forcing this to happen, I'm really going against my, I've got this instinct, it's not right. I think we we need to listen to our instincts a little bit more in life. I think that if we stop and slow down and just listen to our instincts, often we'll make better decisions. Mm, so true. And and so our gut feel is an important thing here. And I, so, But then you've got to learn to distinguish between the two because fear is normal in the property buying process. Yeah, there's a there's a, a very common um, saying that buyers remorse. Often buyers buy something and they immediately afterwards question whether they should have bought that or paid that. The time for buyer's remorse is before you buy the property. So if you can put yourself in a state of questioning your decisions and questioning what you're doing and questioning the information you're receiving and, and making sure that you're doing things in a pragmatic step-by-step logical way, you'll actually get to the purchase and have very little buyer's remorse usually because you know that you've made the right decisions along the way. Buyer's remorse often comes when you haven't done all the lead-up work properly. Mm, That's exactly right. Step by step, (laughs) in the right order. In the right order. (laughs) So we're going to end this episode. Actually, before we end it, we do have a quote from Mary herself, but before we end it, I do need to mention for those of you who watch the video Megan oh, the chooses. We haven't even talked about that. Forgot to talk about the crazy house that you are in front of. So Megan is sitting in front of a very crazy house. Do you tell us about this crazy house, Megan? So this one, so a couple of episodes ago, I just decided that I wanted to um, find crazy houses that make me laugh or challenge my way of thinking. And this one is called The Crooked Little House. It was built in 2004 in Poland. Um, it is a fully functioning family home um, and that, that is it. It makes you feel sick looking at it. It, it definitely makes me feel it's sick like looking at it. It's like you're just moving around. It's like it's either melting like it's a candle, <laughs> right? So you visualise that or it's like looking through, you know, I don't know if you're a kid, there's Luna Park in either Sydney or Melbourne. Is there a Luna Park up in Brisbane? No, there's not, get- but I, there's lots of places that are, have got what you're about to allude to. Those distorting mirrors that everything's warped and long and, oh, yuck, it's like being in a nightmare. So, yeah, I think that's an awful like house. That one? And <laughs> definitely when, not one I'd want to live in. When, uh, for, for, for those listening in, when, when Veronica first started up the video, <laughs> shock on her face and horror. It's like, oh, my God, I've got to look at that Ew. the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. but that's all right. Anyway, we listening digress. to All the important things that Megan's been saying. So we're going to end this episode with a quote from Mary herself. Do you want to read away? I really like this because um, this kind of sums it all up. She said, your Q&A sessions, for those of you who remember, we used to do the live Q&As on Facebook. The articles, the course, Veronica's book, the podcast were invaluable in helping me to make a choice and in general boost my confidence. Please keep up the great work. As women in particular, we need to help um, to stay financially safe in this uncertain world. Cracking quote. Thank you, Mary. Um, we are so pleased that we helped you along that journey. And at the point that you are ready and you know that you are ready to buy a property, as will all of you who go through a methodical process, you'll feel so much more in control of your decisions. And that buyer's remorse won't be there at the end. You'll feel completely comfortable with the decisions you've made, the property you've purchased and the price that you've paid. 
In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.